So I started investing in myself. I learned how to do Facebook ads and it was a challenge in the beginning, but once I really learned how to do it, that's when our business really, really took off. My name is Felix Tia. I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn why manufacturing is the most important skill to master early on, how many followers and subscribers this business had before hitting the six-figure mark, and why it's dangerous to think that your customers think or behave like you. Before we get into our show, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Shopify App Store. Shopify apps help you easily customize and add features to your store to make it your own. The App Store hosts over 4,000 apps built specifically for Shopify businesses. Shopify developers all over the world built these apps to help you save time and unlock a range of new features, from showing your Instagram feed on your store to offering loyalty rewards and more. Check out shopify.com slash app store for the latest Shopify apps. Today I'm joined by Kia James from Taylor Beauty. Taylor Beauty sells high quality ingredient beauty products that are safe for all ages and was started in 2016 and based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome Kia. Thank you for having me, Felix. Yeah, so this all started before the business, everything. It all started from from YouTube. So tell us more about that. Like what was the the beginning of the the, the idea for the business? So when I first um, got started, I actually had a YouTube channel. I was in grad school at the time and um, I just wanted to do something as a hobby. And I started a YouTube channel and I wanted to document my natural hair journey. I stopped chemically relaxing my hair at that time. So I wanted to show my audience how I was taking care of my hair and the natural ingredients that I was using in my hair as well. Um, I also had my daughter in 2013. So I started showing my audience how to use products that I was creating on her hair as well. And they saw how both my hair and her hair was growing from the products. So my audience started asking for the products if um, I could make the products. And at that time, um, YouTube was where people look for information. It was it was different from now because um, Instagram wasn't popular. A lot of people were doing research by just searching for exactly what they wanted on YouTube and they would stumble across my videos. Um, so that's pretty much how it got started. I was doing it as a hobby and I slowly began to sell the products. Awesome. So this this YouTube channel and your audience, like you started from scratch. You had no followers, no audience at the time when you first decided to start the YouTube channel as this hobby. I didn't have an audience and Instagram wasn't even a thing at that time. Awesome. Okay. So tell us about that. Like, did you, how, how quickly did it take off? Like from the, you know, the first couple of videos you put out, like how soon before you started seeing that other people were interested in this information that you're putting out? Um... So I was doing YouTube for about two years before I actually started selling the product and I started selling the product slowly. Um, I was um, just doing it in my kitchen and um, I created a Etsy store at that time. Um, So I was just pretty much just doing it for fun and it 
somehow turned into a business because the demand quickly grew um, because people were seeing um, how well the products worked on my YouTube channel, as well as the testimonials from other customers. Um, so about a year and a half into doing it as a hobby, that's when we turned it into a business and really um, branded everything, got our trademark, got our LLC and um, turned it from a hobby into a business. Got it. And you mentioned that people were reaching out to you, asking you to to make the product. I'm assuming that was when you first started thinking, oh, there could be a business behind this. So initially when you were doing these YouTube videos, they were all just you making the, you're using products that you're, they were kind of homemade. Yes, they were homemade. I was making them in my kitchen at that time. Um, it was me, my husband, who also encouraged me to start the business, and my mom. We would spend hours um, during the weekend, 20 plus hours during the weekend, just um, making products in the kitchen, um, just to be able to fulfill the orders for the following week. Um, so at that time, we only had um, in our first year, we only had three products, but it was so time consuming to produce those products um, because the way we were producing them, um, it takes a lot of time to create those products. So we would just spend a lot of time on the weekends and then on the during the weekday, I would fulfill my orders. I was still working at the time. So I would go to the post office to fulfill my orders um, for that week. Between the time that you decided that, oh, there is a potential to create a product for this, create a business for it because people are asking you, how long did it take you before you had a product that you were ready to start selling? It took about a couple of months um, because I was a, I already knew how to make the product um, and we didn't really start purchasing a lot of equipment until the demand grew. So within those couple of months, I still had to set up a site. I still had to purchase more ingredients to make the products as well as create the labels in the early stages of our business. We were actually creating the labels from, from the printer at home. Um, had to purchase components. So it took about two months to really get a look of what the products look like before we could actually begin selling those products. Got it. And at, these days, I think you have like a whole whole product line of, of, of beauty products that you're selling. But when you first launched, like what was it that you were selling? I was selling Everything Butter, which is still our number one selling product. So that is a, um, it's a shea butter that you can pretty much use for everything. When I first introduced it to my audience, um, that's when I was using it on my hair and I was also using it, using it during my pregnancy um, so that I didn't have any stretch marks. Um, then I started using it on my daughter's hair. And so that was the first um, product that we launched. And then from there, um, we started um, creating hair oils, um, moisturizing, mist, shampoos, and conditioners. Got it. Yeah, we definitely want to get into the, the product development process and how you decide what to build next or what to create next in, in a bit. But when you first started with this this first product, Shea Butter, what did you? How much inventory did you did you create before you know launching it to to, to your audience? To be completely honest, um, I at the time I just wanted to really just give it out to my audience. So <laughs> there was no strategy behind it. Now everything we do has a complete strategy. Um, we control our inventory, but at that time we were just getting a feel of how many people wanted the products, and we would produce 
based on that. Um, so when we were purchasing raw ingredients, we re really was just purchasing it to do small batches at that time. Small batches to make pr pretty much anywhere between 50 to 100 products. And as that grew, um, we would have to we would have to purchase more on a larger scale. Yeah, I think I think this is an approach that I think a lot of people can appreciate that 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 also might not want to take a huge kind of risk at, at first by you know having a huge product run product line before seeing if there's demand. Can you tell us more about that? Like, how did you get a feel for almost like dip your toe in the water to realize okay there is demand and we can keep on kind of scaling this up? How, talk to us about that. How did you how did you uh, how did you measure that there was demand for the product? Uh, we measured demand by just pretty much um, looking at our sales month over month and then year over year. Um, my husband is also the co-founder of the company and he's the COO. So he has a background in finance. Um, he has a he has a finance degree and I have a business degree. So being able to really utilize our strengths really helped us to figure out how can we strategize and come up with a plan to make sure that we're not running out of inventory um, and to make sure we're not over purchasing inventory. So really just being able to forecast what what was going to come next. So um, looking at our data for the the last six months, looking at our data for the last year and really analyzing that. And when we were purchasing components and raw materials, really um, purchasing based on what um, the forecast would look like. Got it. Now, talk, talk to us about like the, the timeline about this, because, you know, we mentioned at the start of this that you started the business uh, about five years ago. And it sounded like you took a, a methodical and, and slow approach to make sure that you were making the right moves. Tell us about that. Like, Was it the at what point did you start seeing that? Wow, this is really taking off and let's invest more more time and, you know, go go more full time with this business. I think it was about. I want to say about a year and a half into the business, um, that's when we made our first six figures. Um, and this, remember, this was based solely on just being able to have an audience on YouTube. And we were both working full-time jobs. So we really, at that time, we wasn't um, paying ourselves. We was continuously reinvested into the business. Um, so we had the money to, at, after about, the second year, we had the money to really um, turn things around. So that meant not printing out labels at home, but actually working with someone who could print the labels for us. That meant not producing products at home, but really finding a good manufacturer who can manufacture the products and use my same formula um, and do it at a larger scale. Um, so just really, we took our time within the first two years of the business to really understand how to run the business, um, how to do everything, understand our customers, and then slowly move on to different phases of the business. After about the second year of business, um, that's when we started doing a lot of trade shows. So really, um, doing a lot of brand awareness and that really helped our brand um, because it took it from being on YouTube and word of mouth to really being able to be in the front of our target customer um, and then slowly working with influencers um, and meeting with different um, buyers who actually wanted to put our products into the store. So it was a slow process in the beginning 
Um, but I'm glad that we took those steps um, because each year we learned a lot about how to effectively run a business so that when we got to those other steps within our business, we were prepared for that. Yeah. Tell us more about that. I think especially in the, in the early days, what were some of the kind of biggest lessons that, that were more, most valuable lessons that, that you learned early on that helped you get to the next stage and, 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 and thrive in the next stage of your business? Um, I think the biggest thing was manufacturing, especially when you create a product at home um, and you want and you want to scale and you want to mass produce that product. Um, for us, that was a huge challenge for us because um, with our products, we use premium ingredients and a lot of these ingredients um, is very difficult to find a manufacturer who wants to use your exact same formula. So it took us a while to find a manufacturer who would do that for us. Um, and this really took me actually going to manufacturers, sitting down with them, bringing my equipment, showing them exactly how I was able to make this product so that there were no changes to the original formulas that I had. Got it. Okay. So I, w I want to take a, a step back a bit. And you mentioned that the, the, the six figure mark that you hit about a year and a half into the business that you credit a lot of that to, to, to having an audience and that audience on YouTube. Can you give us an idea of how big was the audience at this time when you were able to, you know, break into the six figure revenue range? Honestly, it wasn't that big. Um, it wasn't that big. And I mean, someone may not think that a audience of about, I think I had less than 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. They may not think that that's a big audience, but now you have people who have millions and millions of um, subscribers on YouTube. But the thing about it is I, I had a small audience, but I had a really good um, connection with my audience. Um, I had a good connection with my audience. And I also was just really, I wanted to educate people. Um, that is what came first. Um, when I would do my videos and still to this day, I still do YouTube videos. When I get in front of a camera, I really just want to educate people. I think that's because I have a background in um, mental health and I'm always trying to figure out how I can find a solution to a problem and really be able to explain that step-by-step step to help someone. Um, so when I would get on the camera, it would just be an authentic conversation with my audience. And because I was able to have those conversations and um, really explain things, I think that's what really helped because not only is she showing me this product, she's explaining how this product is used and she's also showing the results behind this product and so you know being able to do those videos respond to comments respond to emails really being um really interacting with my audience and my customers I think that's what really helped us get to that six-figure mark mm, so not the size of the audience but the the connection with each each subscriber each each member of that 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 audience is what allowed you to to you know do so much with with an audience that is not as large as you know what you might expect is needed to get to 100 to, to get to the six-figure mark and you mentioned that the key thing here is that to build that kind of connection is is through education like really trying to solve problems that your your audience your customers have so tell us more about that. Like, how do you identify what problems there are that, that you can create video, create content about? 
Um, just really being, really talking to our customers. We talk to our customers in so many different ways. Um, and also keep in mind, I'm a, I'm a consumer as well. I am a person who uses these products. I'm a person who struggles with um, being able to grow my hair. Um, so just really um, listening to what people have to say. Um, the good thing is we have such good customers that they'll actually go on YouTube as well and do reviews of our products. Um, so we watch the reviews, we read the comments, um, we attend trade shows. We um, This was before COVID as well. We were able to attend a lot of trade shows and talk to our customers and really figure out, you know, what's going on um, and and. By being able to do that, you figure out what type of problems your consumer has. Yeah, and I, th- I think for for a product like yours, that's a, that's very, I guess, a, a personal use product. You mentioned things like testimonials and reviews that that your customers are are even posting on, on YouTube. Uh, they they matter a lot. Do you do anything to to highlight these testimonials or these reviews? Or what are some ways that you've been able to kind of give the social proof that hey, this actually works for all of these different people? That 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 that's not just coming from me, the the owner, the 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 founder, but it's also from the customers. How do you make sure that you you amplify, I guess, the, those reviews and the, your audience's voice. We do that in a lot of different ways. One of our best ways that we do that is through um, Judge Me, which is an app on Shopify that we use. We, we use Judge Me. And with that app, um, customers are able to post pictures um, as well as write written reviews. And I think these are really important because we also run a lot of Facebook ads. So sometimes we might have customers who come from our Facebook ads and they have no idea about the business. They just see, you know, and and we still try to keep that organic approach to our marketing where, you know, you might even see a Facebook ad of myself, you know, talking about a problem that I have with my hair, showing the product and having a solution. Um, So with that, People usually go straight to our website product page. And on a product page, you see reviews from customers. Um, you see before and after pictures. You see um, written testimonials. And you even see those in a lot of comments under the ads on our um, on Facebook. Got it. And you had mentioned to us in the pre-interview about how Today, you spend, you now understand how to run your Facebook ads and everything. Uh, but one one kind of setback that you had early on was hiring for these skills before you kind of knew how to do it yourself. Tell us about that. Tell us about that, that lesson. I think it's an important one that, that others have faced or that, that others are are at the maybe about to face. Tell us more about your experience with, with having to learn certain of these skills before hiring out for it. I think... Early on in our business, one of the biggest mistakes was that we hired um, people, but we didn't understand their roles. So after we rebranded our company, two years after that, we started hiring different social media management agencies, and they were not producing results. And this was very frustrating because, you know, we, you know, we saved up all this money from 
um, all the profits that we were making and we were paying these agencies to um, have a return on investment and there was no return on investment. And I had to take full accountability for that because how can I manage someone if I don't understand the job that they're doing? How can I, you know, how can this person present data to me if I don't understand how to read the data? Um, so I started investing in, my, investing in myself. I um, learned how to do Facebook ads and you know, it was it was a challenge in the beginning, but once I really learned how to do it, that's when our business really, really took off. Um, that's when our business took off. That's when, you know, our e-commerce store took off um, because I was able to learn how to um, create ads and how to read data in order for the ads to work. Um, so being able to do that, um, Clavio is an app that I love um, that integrates really well with the Shopify app, with the shop with my Shopify store. Um, I attended Clavio events, so just being able to invest my time um, and really um, learn really is what helped me to understand how to market better and how to have a higher return on our investment um, as far as you know marketing goes. Got it. So tell us more about that, that, that process of learning. And you mentioned a big piece of the, 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 um, kind of speed, which the business took off was related to understanding more about, about buying ads. So tell us more about how you, or not how, but like, what did you learn about how to create ads? Can you tell us more about that? I learned how to understand who my target customer is um, and how to speak to my target customer. This was really important because I I did, I, at the time, I thought I knew who my target customer is. Um, but once you really start learning and digging deep, um, you can really narrow down your target person, your target um customer down to, you know, what type of stores they shop in, you know, their education level, things like that. So once I was able to actually um, understand that, we started really being very specific in how we spoke to our audience. Um, because, because I was speaking, you know, on YouTube, now we had to transition over to Facebook marketing and speaking to a YouTube audience is, is, kind of the same, but it's not really the same. So um, I'm just learning that really helped me to understand the tone, the voice of the brand and how to be strategic in our, um, when we started producing these ads. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes to let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now let's get back to the interview. Got it. So you mentioned that you thought you knew who your target customer was, but then um, you know, learn more about them as as you spend more time trying to understand it. Tell us more about that. What were the differences between what you thought who your customers were and then who ended up actually being? Well, we thought our customers um, at that time, we thought our customers were people like myself. <laughs> Because I was using the products and because I love the products, I thought my customer was just like me. Um, and that's a little bit different because, you know, my customer, my customer is, does have textured hair. Um, my customer loves ingredients, but my customer may not necessarily have my hair type or my customer may not necessarily have the same exact struggles that I have. And so, you know, I want to speak to, I don't want to just speak to myself. I want to speak to 
um, my customers. Um, so I had to really, um, I had to really like look through the data um, and also create a quiz on my website. We put a quiz on the site where we just wanted to really learn as much as possible about our customer. Um, we started asking questions about their age, um, what problems they were having. Do you have kids? Um, do you have dry hair? Really just asking a whole bunch of questions to really narrow down who our customer is um, so that we weren't just, you know, targeting just myself, but really targeting people who wanted to purchase our products. Got it. Now, you mentioned that the quiz helped, and you also mentioned looking at the data. Can you say more about that? Like, what were you looking at exactly? If, if someone out there wants to learn more about who is their actual customer, but they haven't gone the length of, you know, creating a quiz yet or haven't gotten results back yet from running this kind of quiz or survey, what, what data were you looking at to help you understand more about your customer? So some of the data that we was looking at was from Typeform. Um, Typeform is an app through the Shopify store. Basically, what Typeform is, is you can create any type of quiz that you want, and you can either put open-ended answers in the quiz or you could put yes or no answers in the quiz. So we just have a series of questions that we ask, um, but the biggest data that we get from that quiz is... Um, what is your biggest hair struggle? Um, because we are a um, education-based brand, we want to provide that education piece first. We want to know how can we help you solve this problem and how can we speak to our audience? So Typeform gives us all of that data. Not only does it help us to understand um, the customer, you know, how old they are, um, you know, what, what problems they're having, but it also helps us to be able to speak specifically to them because they've already told us this is what's going on. Got it. Okay. So you use Typeform for, for the quiz and you mentioned your, your most important, most valuable answers come from the question about what's your biggest hair struggle. And I think this can be applied to any industry and any, any business, like asking your customer about what's their biggest struggle specific to your, your niche. How, how diverse of um, answers do you get when you ask that question? Um, <laughs> we get a lot of diverse questions, but usually uh, we find that there's about four questions that everyone usually struggles with in um, our industry is, and that's just that they want healthy hair. Um, so we really try to um, figure out, you know, what questions are uncommon outside of those four questions. And the good thing is, is that we can not only can we address those concerns, but it gives us new ideas and it helps us become more innovative in the way we um, talk to our customers as well as when we think about product development for future products. Got it. Okay. So yeah, definitely that, that those two things make sense. I want to talk about how you use this information to inform how you talk to your customers. And I think you, you hinted on this about it being education first, business, education first brand, you're probably creating you know, YouTube content, other content to address those those questions. Um, but how does it affect things like your ads? Do you use this information anyway to change the way you, you do your marketing when it comes to paid ads? Yes. Um, yes. So when we do paid ads, we actually have a funnel that we um, use. And usually at the top of the funnel, what we do is 
um, we have that education piece first um, because we realize that what we've realized in the past and looking at that data is we realize that sometimes people really, you know, they can, they'll have products, but they really don't understand how to use it. So education comes first. Um, when we're doing the ads, we want to um, just really just be on the ads, you know, nothing overly commercial. Sometimes, you know, well, I'll even be in my bathroom showing the product, showing how the product is used, explain it and showing the results that we get. From there, um, we realize um, that, you know, when we look at the data, we want to convert. That's the number one thing we want to do when we have an ad. We want to make sure that there's a, a return on ad spend and that converts. Um, so having that social proof and really not only showing myself using the products, but the next part of the funnel might include um, having influencers on ads. Influencers really help a customer see someone that might look like them. Like my customer may not look like me, but they may, may look like an influencer um, who's used this product. So we want to show a variation of people who've used the product and the results that they have, um, as well as, you know, when we're bringing them from Facebook, we bring them directly to the product page that has the product we've used um, so that they can see, you know, they can see um, other customers. They can see pretty much um, that education piece because now the customers are educating them on how the product um, works as well as visually being able to see it as well. Got it. Okay, so I think this is really important. So I want to break this down a bit more. So your your funnel basically is that you take a lot of the the kind of questions, the kind of problems that you're discovering your your customers have, whether it just be through conversations or them filling out your type form uh, quiz and getting the results from there. Then you're creating content uh, around it, which sounds like um, you know education, answering these questions, and then you retarget the people that have seen those ads with influencers. Uh, that that might look like them, or just basically a variety of influencers that that allow the customers to see, oh, they're just like me. They have the same type of hair like me. And always the call to action. You're trying to drive them to to the product page, which again has more education, has more social proof from your from your customers in in the reviews. Yes, correct. Got it. Now these 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 um these kind of um almost like uh, top of the funnel education uh, ads. How long are they? How much time? Because it sounds like you obviously need more than maybe you know, a few seconds, obviously, to 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 educate or show them the the product, show them how you're using it. Tell, tell us more about that. Like how long form is the are the ads? We don't do anything more than a minute. Uh, so we want to be straight to the point. Um, and we want to do it in a minute or less, but the goal within the first, you know, the first 10 seconds is to show the results. Um, and we don't want people to feel like they're being sold anything. We just want, we just, we love the product so much and we, we know that they work that we want people to see the results first. Once they see the results, we tell them how we got these results, but we never keep it over a minute because with Facebook ads, anything over a minute, you can't use that on Instagram. And people are on Instagram just as much as they're on Facebook. So we wanna make sure um, we can get that on both platforms. 
Yeah, you taught you said something that's really important there, which was that you you guys love the product so much and you you have the results, which makes the marketing and selling of a product so much easier, right? Once you have something that you truly believe in yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now you mentioned that um once you one of the steps that you took, uh, you know, again pre-COVID was around these trade shows. So tell us more about that. What 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 were you doing at these trade shows? How did it lead to to growing the business? Um, trade shows, um, we, so our industry, which is the, um, textured hair care industry, natural hair industry does a lot of trade shows. Um, they do trade shows for consumers. Um, there's a big trade show that comes to Atlanta that's in, based out of Atlanta that we do every year. And everyone in our industry is at these hair shows. Um, so during that hair, during those hair shows, um, we have a booth um, and that that's a big investment as well, because when you're at these hair shows, you're competing for customers attention. So we have a booth, um, we have models, we have stylists. Um, and then we also have enticing offers um, for people to try the products. Um, the thing that the other good thing about trade shows is that there's a lot of buyers and there's a lot of um, people within the industry that's looking to make business with brands like myself um, to either help grow their brand, put them in stores. Um, we've met a lot of we've met our the person who does our labels there. We've met so many people that have been able to help our brand grow, but we've also been able to really engage with our customer at these trade shows and bring awareness to our brand, um, to the natural hair space. Awesome. So you mentioned that everyone in the industry uh, are going to these, these trade shows, uh, which leads me to, to wonder like how, what, what ways are your products differentiated from, from the customers? Like what, what have you found ways to, to differentiate yourself from, from all the other kind of products in the space? Um, it's, it's really has to do with the ingredients in our products um, because we use premium ingredients in our um, products you don't find these ingredients in our competitors' products. And um, because I'm really conscious about my health, um, early on um, when I started the business, I became conscious about what I was eating and I started eating a plant-based diet. So we put ingredients that people haven't heard of before, like fenugreek, black seed oil, go-to cola extract. These ingredients are not common in our industry, but they're common in different cultures uh, where you see people with long hair, shiny hair, beautiful hair, and really just learning the benefits of those ingredients and um, putting them in our, our products. We noticed that people are using this, these ingredients, but you have, one, they're really expensive. And two, they're also, it's also DIY. Um, so just being able to use these exotic ingredients that have been proven to have results in our products is really, really what differentiates ourselves from our competitors. Is it something that you have to always stay on top of to continue to differentiate yourself? Like, do you find that that, that you've carved out this kind of lane and that no one's really kind of encroaching on it or do you have to constantly do things to remain dif differentiated? I think, yes, we, we constantly have to do that. But for myself, it it's, it's easy for myself because um, I'm a person who 
you know, I'll shop at a farmer's market as opposed to shopping at a grocery store or, you know, I, you know, I'm just a regular person who loves Facebook groups, but they may be about health or fitness. So because this is my lifestyle, um, I'm pretty, I've become familiar um, with this space of using more so medicinal stuff or, um, 100% um, natural products, because I really live that lifestyle, it's really easy for me. And I'm learning more and more. And then I'm like, okay, well, this would be really good for hair. This would be really good for skin, or this would be really good for that. Let's, let's try to create a product. And I'm always testing these products out. I'm o- always testing the ingredients out behind the scenes before uh, bringing them to our manufacturers to mass produce. Got it. Okay, so it is something that you do have to stay on top of, but it's again you mentioned it's easy for you because that, that is already your your lifestyle. You're always interested in learning more about different ingredients, natural, high quality. So tell us about the the product development process. Once you recognize, oh, this is a new ingredient that I came across that you think is gonna be good to 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 try or to try to create a product around. Walk us through what happens once you have this kind of um idea for for a new product. So once I have an idea for a new product, I'm des- definitely testing out the ingredients, trying to figure out, like, for for example, um, our deep conditioner has fenugreek in it. And fenugreek is a seed. And in order to put it into our products, it has to become a powder. Um, so really just figuring out how do I take this ingredient, transform it into something else and put it into a hair product. So that means me experimenting, still going back to my kitchen, experimenting with these products, using them in my hair, using them in my daughter's hair, um, giving them to family and friends and testing them out for a while before I even um, bring them over to my manufacturer. Because one thing I never want to do is compromise any of my formulas. Um, And that's something that I've always done since the beginning of the business, really just creating products and um, testing them on myself. But as the business scaled, I've been fortunate enough to find a manufacturer that specializes in textured hair and also work closely with the chemist so that, you know, not only am I producing this great product, but when you have these natural ingredients, the last thing you want them to do is, um, is to go bad. So a chemist is helping me to make sure that my products remain stable and they don't they don't get any mold or bacteria in them so once I've pretty much tested those products which can sometimes take a year or two my last line I tested them for two years before I brought them to the market then that meant I had to work with the chemist and the chemist had to make sure you know these ingredients were you know would remain stable because um, my chemist wasn't even familiar with these ingredients. So it takes a lot of um, time to do product development before we even bring them to the market. Wow. So, so, so you mentioned that you've taken years sometimes to test uh, new products, new ingredients. What, what do you look for to feel confident that, okay, this makes sense to move forward to, to, to go to manufacturing with it? I look for results. I look, that's, that's the number one thing is results. Results is, is the number one, one thing for me because, um, I want the product to do exactly what it says it does. Um, so if I know that, you know, an ingredient, you know, is good to help strengthen my hair or to help strengthen the hair, I'm looking for, 
results. I'm looking for, you know, I'm looking to test people who have the same exact problem and, and asking them, hey, do you want to try this product out? Um, I know you have this struggle. Can you give me some feedback? I want I want every feedback. I want the good, the bad, and the ugly um, before I even bring it to market. Um, so the results is the number one thing that I'm looking for. Got it. And once you do bring to manufacturing, how long does it take usually for, for that to turn around from the time that you have these kind of instructions that you're bringing to manufacture these ingredients? How long does it take before a kind of finished product is ready to go that's on the shelf for someone to buy? That can that can take up to a year as well. <laughs> it can take up to a year as well because, you know, when you have a product, now you have to think about, you know, what is this product going to look like in packaging? What message am I going to send to the customer about this product? Um, what, you know, how, how do we like the consistency of the product? What can we do to change the consistency of the product? One thing that I learned from attending trade shows and really being face-to-face with customers and interacting with customer, the most challenging part about (laughs) um, having a product is the smell. The smell is the biggest thing that people are always concerned about. Before they even use the product, the first thing they want to do is smell the product. So we spend a lot of time just figuring out what do we want this product to smell like. And, you know, because we use natural ingredients, we use um, we we use essential oils for scents, um, and one person may love lemongrass, and a, another person may like lavender. So we want to make sure that you know the smell smell plays a big role because smell can make a person feel a certain way. And if they feel good about the smell, they feel confident about the product. If they don't like the smell, they don't like the product. So believe it or not, during that that year of working with the manufacturer, the biggest thing is scent. How is the product going to smell um, for the customer? Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that that's like the, almost the first reaction that anyone has. That the, what does it smell like? And that can impact whether they're open or not to to the product even, even before they even try it out in the first place. Exactly. Um, now how, how many products do you have now? How many, how many products in the product line? So right now we have 14 products. Um, we have our original product line, which we started at the beginning of the business. Um, and then we have our golden herbal collection. And we also have um, plant-based hair vitamins, as well as um, one of our newest products that we launched recently was a clay detox shampoo bar. Awesome. So when you do have these new products that you're creating, what's the launch process like once you, you, how do you, how do you launch it to your, your audience and your customers? Um, we, we have a full rollout. So, um, as I stated earlier, when we first started the business, it was a hobby. So there was no real strategy behind what, what we were doing. So now it's pretty much a, a big strategy on, you know, what we do. We, um, we figure out how we're going to let our existing audience know because when you when you're coming out with a new product your existing audience is the one who already wants the product first so we're figuring out how we're going to give it to our 
um, customers first? And what does that rollout look like? What does the marketing plan for that rollout look like? What does the digital marketing plan look like? What does press look like? What does um, email marketing look like? What is the sound of that? And just really having a full rollout um, of that launch. Got it. And you said that a big part of it is around packaging as well, which, which sounds like another kind of first impression similar to to smell that a lot of people uh, look for. What are some some lessons that you've learned along the way about how to to improve or to, to make uh, a better packaging for your products? Um, packaging is was really important to us when we started um, going to trade shows and we started meeting with buyers um, and um you know, ultimately our goal was to do retail right now. We're in um, Walmart stores. So one of the things that we wanted to really focus on is how does packaging, how will packaging look in a retail space? Um, will the customer be able to clearly understand what this product does? Will this person really be able to identify our brand? Um, so when we started developing um, packaging, we wanted one, we wanted to make sure it was good for retail because that was our overall goal. But we wanted to make sure all of our call-outs were on the packaging, what it does, who it was for, and really be able to easily identify, you know, our brand if we were to do another line. So if we did a, like for instance, our ultimate collection has pink colors, um, how could we do another line and our golden herbal collection has orange colors, how could we have those two lines but the packaging look the same and the customer can still identify that this is our brand? Got it. And another big piece, I think, around packaging, and you mentioned, too, about how you've found a lot of buyers through the trade shows was your success in getting into Walmart. Tell us more about that. What was the experience like to get into a, a big retailer like Walmart? It was um, it was a good experience. Um, but, you know, when you enter into retail, there is so it's it's running a completely different business because, you know, for a long time we were running an e-commerce business um, and a lot of things had to change. So in order to prepare for Walmart, we had to figure out, you know, how to scale even more so that we could, you know, fulfill these large purchase orders. Yeah, and what what changes did you make uh, along the way to 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 support this new this new new buyer? Um, we didn't we didn't change anything about the products. Um, we wanted to make sure that our packaging really stood apart. So not necessarily we didn't change our labels, but we um, increased the font on our labels so that people could easily read them. Um, and you know, with e-commerce, um, everything is done behind the scenes, um, so you don't you. you you don't really have to have a lot of staff. You can actually outsource staff to fulfill your orders. Well, as we grew to be in Walmart, we had to hire more staff. Um, we had to bring more awareness to our brand. Um, our, you know, our messaging has to look a little bit different because now we're not pushing people to go to the web. Well, we're still pushing people to go to the website, but we also want to push people to go to the store. So having different marketing goals um, is something that had to change as well. 
Awesome. So I'll talk a little bit about the, the website, uh, which is at TaylorBeautyProducts.com. You mentioned a couple of apps that you've already, that you're using, Clavio, JudgeMe, Typeform for the survey. Any other, any other um, apps or tools that you use to help run the website or the business? Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I love Typeform. I love Clavio, JudgeMe. Um, also, we use our, the store locator website um, because we um, are in um, select Walmart stores. So we don't want a customer to we want to make sure the customer goes to the right Walmart stores to find our products, as well as we're also an independent retailers. So having this is it's called store locator, but having that on our website um, is one of the most beneficial apps because we can send customers who may not want to purchase online directly to the store. Awesome. And so again, taylorbeautyproducts.com is the website. And I'll leave this last question. What do you think has been the biggest lesson that you've learned over the past year that you want to put into action in the, in the coming year? Um, I think the biggest lesson now that I've learned in the past year, um, I spent so much time running my business um, and really um, doing a lot with my business. Um, I told you early on when we started to grow, I started to hire out and, you know, that wasn't successful for me because I had to learn. But during during the past couple of years in my business, I've learned so much. I've learned so much about marketing. I've learned so much about Facebook ads, how to run a Shopify store, how to do all of these things. And um, the biggest lesson I've learned is, you know, now delegating. Now, in order for my business to continue to scale, to continue to grow, in order for me to continue to be a creative and really focus on product development, understanding my customers, um, now I have to, you know, building this team is really important for me. So learning how to um, manage people um, is something that I've had to learn to do in the past year, manage a team, um, manage um, other parts of my business and really figure out how to scale even more um, as the business grows. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Kia. That was amazing. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.